Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Coast to Coast here on the Motor Racing Network, brought to you by Wheeling Engineering, also by Hercules Tire. I'm Hannah Newhouse, joined each and every week here by my co-host of Kyle Ricky. Kyle, hard to believe that we're midway through the month of August. Short track racing has fortunately been in swing for quite some time now in comparison to last year. And for the first time since about two years ago, we have an actual advanced uh, auto parts weekly series points race. We know it was different last year. Josh Berry obviously crowned that champion, but this year has been a little bit more regular for a lot of our competitors. And a couple of weeks ago, to be quite frank with you, I didn't think it was going to be much of a battle. Peyton Sellers had absolutely checked out, but it's shaping up now with just under a month left. It was over a hundred points about uh, five or six weeks ago uh, that Peyton Sellers had on the field, but that gap has, has tightened up considerably here in just the last couple of weeks. You had uh, Jacob Gady uh, getting a couple of checkered flags last weekend. Has closed now to within 40 points. So he has cut the margin in more than half. Uh, Todd Patnode, third. Still a shot, but 104 points back. He's going to need quite the, quite the run here in the last four or five weeks to have a shot at the championship, which it looks like it's down to a two-horse race right now with Peyton and, and Jacob. Going to be fun to watch, though. It's nice to see. We talked a little bit about it last week different regions of the country you know it's not just those virginia late model drivers that are, are running for the championship it's one of the virginia late model drivers one from the midwest and then you have todd from the uh the northeast and a modified yeah it's definitely nice to see that we're going to talk to Peyton sellers just in a little bit here on the guest line um, about his runs at south boston and of course a lot of the racing up in the northern region of the country but if you're kind of new to following what is the of course the advanced auto parts weekly series uh it used to be the wheel in weekly or wait it used to be the oh now my brain's not working wheel in all american series wheel in all american series and of course it it goes to each participating racetrack in the region. You know, NASCAR, if they're sanctioned, you can have a couple different divisions. Division one, though, division two, three, four, all the way to division five. Those racetracks are allowed to pick which one is their top division course. A lot of them, of course, having late models, super late models, late model stocks, something along that. We also see modifieds. You know, we've had the modifieds in the Northeast have a couple guys that have been competitors for that top championship. But it's cool to see how, you know, someone like Peyton Sellers has 28 starts this year. That's insane yep. to even think about. Jacob Gady has 34. You know they're not getting them at one racetrack, Kyle. So to be able to really anymore contend for this, you know, national championship, you're seeing them go to any racetrack, multiple racetracks throughout the year, which usually ends up shaping to be a good battle. And we saw it a couple of years ago where uh, it was Lee Pulliam and I, was it Sellers, I think maybe, or, or uh, Meyer? Peyton. Peyton, yeah, Peyton, Peyton Sellers, Sellers that were going to three and four racetracks a weekend to try and get as many points as they could. I know Keith Rocco ha has done that in the past as well, and they have to be NASCAR-sanctioned racetracks. And, of course, we have tracks that come and go each year. We've added several new tracks this season and, and also lost a few. So uh, depending on what region you're in and how many NASCAR tracks you have around you, 
uh, is part of that metric, as is car counts. You know, your division, you know, if you have 20 cars a week, 24 cars a week, uh, that some of these short tracks will start, uh, you're able to, to get more points for a win than if you're racing against eight or 10 or 12 competitors. So there's a lot of uh, math that goes into determining the champion. And, uh, you know, the, the, it's tweaked every year, depending on the number of tracks and the average number of car counts. You know, obviously the average number of car counts that in different regions of the country have changed in the last decade or so. So, uh, and NASCAR kind of keeps up with it. So it'll be interesting to see how this year plays out with uh, these, with these, what I believe to be the only two drivers that have a shot at the title. Yeah, a lot of moving parts, a lot of math. Glad I'm not the one responsible, but each and every week they do update those standings on the NASCAR home tracks, the NASCAR Roots website. So you can find them there on the left side of the page under Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series Standings. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and bring Peyton Sellers on. But before we do that, of course, if you guys have listened to the last couple of weeks or joined us, we have recently partnered up with Logitech for their iRacing update presented by Logitech G. Uh, as of right now, they're currently in the playoff rounds of the E NASCAR Coca-Cola racing series there's four races left in this season the first race of the play- the first race of the playoffs will actually start on tuesday august 31st at the virtual darlington raceway you can catch all of the action and the iRacing countdown to green at enascar.com backslash live at 8 30 p.m the race starting on enascar.com at 9 p.m on tuesday august 31st and don't forget if you need any of the latest news featured videos and more from the world of iRacing you can find that on iRacing.com. This iRacing update is brought to you by Logitech G. We're going to take a quick break and we'll dial up Peyton Sellers here on NASCAR Coast to Coast. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. 19- Gamers, start your engines. Meet the next generation of racing wheels. The award-winning Logitech G design is re-engineered to dial into your game physics, delivering unprecedented realism. Feel every shift, drift, and hairpin turn like never before. Our latest innovation in force feedback technology connects directly to end-game simulation engines and physics to produce higher fidelity, real-time responses. Through design, engineering, and the love of driving games, Logitech G takes racing simulation to another level. Go to LogitechG.com. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast here on the Motor Racing Network. We're joined now on the guest line by Peyton Sellers, currently leading the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series points, as well as tied for the prestigious Virginia Triple Crown points lead with Bobby McCarty. First off, Peyton, we know you're busy rolling down the road, so take it. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys taking my time to call and hope everything's going well. Now, to start things off here, obviously been a busy summer for you. Uh, 28 races, 28 starts so far to the season. It's only August, which is crazy to think about. When you guys started the season, did you think that you were going to run for the national championship, or was this kind of something that's uh, just played itself out? Yeah, no, honestly, I don't think you ever start the year off and say, you know, we're going to compete for a national championship you know, this year. And we knew we had two good cars that we had raced all last year. We finished second in points last year to Josh Berry. And uh, we just kind of worked on them and refined them a little bit and got them ready for this year. And 
Um, when the season started, we had intentions of just kind of competing in South Boston for a track title and going to Dominion and some on the off weeks. And, um, they had a, two dates that conflicted, so we knew we couldn't compete for points at both of them. Well, we uh, we missed the first race at Dominion and, and went to South Boston that night and won a couple of races. And um, We went to Dominion the following week and, and had a, a good outing. And uh, One thing led to another, and here we are you know, late in the season, and we're leading the track points at both tracks. Um, after missing one race at Dominion, and we're in good shape right now. We've we've kind of we've had a good summer. Saturday night we won our 18th race of the year, and man, it's just been a, a very humbling season. We we did things that we haven't done before, and that's uh, and it's hard to win races in these late model stock races because a lot of the tracks we're running two tires and doing inverts and things like that. And it's just hard to hard to rack up a lot of wins, and we've been very fortunate this year to be able to do that. When we talked to Josh Berry last year after he won the championship, I asked him, at what point do you start looking at, at the championship standing? Some drivers obviously don't want to know until the bitter end. Some drivers start the season wanting to know every driver every week. And, and he said, I don't start looking until about this time, about August or so. Uh, when do you yeah. start looking uh, at, at those national standings that come out each, each I guess, Wednesday? You know, we – we really hadn't thought about it a lot. We got into early June and we had won, you know, a fair amount of races. So we said, well, let's kind of stay on the course right now to go to South Boston and Dominion week in and week out for track points. Hadn't really given much thought to the national at that point. And um, once we got a little deeper into the season, we we're leading track points at both of them. He said, well, let's look at national and, and things kind of started falling into place. We had some, uh, some big races that happened, you know, with the 4th of July race at South Boston, we finished second there and, uh, had big car counts, and, and that's what it's all about in the national points is having big car counts. And, um, you know, we were we were able to put up some good numbers. And, you know, to, to sit here and say, you know, we can't go out and beat Jacob Gady or any of these guys. We've got to just beat our local competition and try to put up good numbers here locally. And uh, that's what we've been able to do. So, you know, we're, we're constantly watching these guys and, and keeping up with their stats and figuring out where they're at. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I guess probably about a month ago, we started looking at points, which is a little bit early, but we knew we'd had a good start. We're just wondering, Hey, how hard do we need to hit it? Do we need to try to go find Friday night racing or do we need to just focus on at home? And, and that's kind of what we decided to do. We didn't, we didn't go crazy adding a bunch of races. We just kind of stuck with what we had been doing. And, um, so far it's worked out very well for us. We've been very fortunate and, uh, hadn't, hadn't too, you know, we, we had a couple DNFs, but nothing major. Yeah, definitely panned out, of course, with that points lead, 15 wins of the season. But it seemed like a couple of weeks ago, of course, that points lead between yourself and Jacob Gady uh, was over 100 points. It's now down to that 40-point measure. When you've been watching it, has that kind of maybe changed your course? Or are you guys still planning on, you know, running steady locally as that points gap, you know, uh, unfortunately continues to shrink? Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's that time of the year. The, the points are getting tighter for sure. We just jumped out to a big lead early. Um, I had an opportunity to race against Jacob at New Smyrna for speed weeks down there, and he had some bad races then. That He had some good races too, but he had a few bad races that I knew were still lingering in his in his top 18 races. And, uh, you know, once you start eliminating those and you get all top fives, that's when you really see who's going to be a threat for the points down the stretch. And, uh you know, once once you get a guy that's got 18 top fives for the year, he's not going to jump big points week in and week out. And we were just able to hit that number very early. And, you know, that's when I knew that he was going to be the guy to start watching. He, he eliminated a bunch of his, you know, 
top tens and, and out of the top ten and that sort of thing. So uh, he's been on radar. I watched him uh, clinch the title in 2019 against uh, you know a local guy here, Mike Looney, that we race against. Uh, we all thought Mike had it in the bag and thought he was going to be the national champion on Saturday afternoon. And uh, the only way Gady could beat him is if he won two full car count races. And you know the, the chance that that happened is near impossible. And he did it that night, and clinched the national title. So uh, you know I know he's got potential to come on strong here at the end of the year, and we're uh, we're keeping an eye on him. And meanwhile, though, like I said, we just got to go race our our cars and competitors that we're used to racing and uh, let the points kind of fall where they may. There's a lot of math involved, and Hannah and I joked about it at the beginning <laughs> of, of, of the show. You know, the formula, is, there's a lot of numbers, and you just hit on it. You know, the only way he could win the title is if he won two races that are full car counts. I mean, there's a lot of different metrics that go into it. How You've been doing this a while. You're a former champion yourself. I think you've been doing it over, what, 15, 16 years now. How has it changed over the last 15 years and running for a title in 2005 to now in 2021? You know, Kevin Neveline at NASCAR has, has got a, uh, a team that works with him, and they change the format pretty regular. They change it, you know, year after year, and they tweak things and just try to make a, a, a more even playing field for the guys saying – the Las Vegas Bull Ring versus I-70 Speedway that runs dirt late models versus the, the North guys that run modifieds at Stafford. You know they try to they try to make it even playing field for each guy that races. And you know the guys in the South where we're at, we have a much longer season. Those guys have a short condensed season. They run every weekend through the middle part of the summer, but but they have to get started late and they finish early. So uh, you know Kevin and those guys constantly work the rules and they change it every year you know something will change whether it be the amount of bonus points or the amount of cars to make it a full car count you know they have some things that change so you got to stay on top of it you got to try to figure out you know what your best scenario is week in and week out um i know that to compete for a national title i've got to win a race every now and then i don't have to win them all but i've got to win one every few weeks and and you've got to put one in the bank every now and then and then you've got to be just very consistent you've got to have a lot of top fives then you got to have a lot of top twos and to see where it goes. Um, we're in a fortunate situation right now. On one hand, the only thing that will help my points from here on out is a win. But that's in a good situation because I, I've, I've got enough wins in the bank to where we're okay right now. And I know that wins will help me, but uh, it also makes it hard on Saturday night knowing that, you know, if you can't win, you got to just settle in and keep your car in one piece and try to race another night definitely a game of attrition when it comes to that national points championship. But before we look ahead to, of course, the tail end of the triple crown, that being Martinsville, uh, which is quickly sneaking up on us. I want to take a second to just talk a little bit about, of course, South Boston. And, uh, you know, it, it is one of the gems of the South to say the least. We talked to Chase and Carly Brashears earlier on in the season before their season started. We got to see the crowd that absolutely packed the place for the big Harley Davidson race last month. And as someone who's raced there and really built a career at South Boston, but also gotten the opportunity to race down in Florida and race in other places of the country. I mean, how do you feel like, what is it about South Boston that brings in continually the racers and continually the fans? You know, Virginia has always been very rich in its short track late model stock racing. Uh, we've got Langley Speedway, South Boston, Dominion, and Motor Mile, which are four of the nicest racetracks on the East Coast and in the country for that matter. And I've been very fortunate to go 
coast to coast and race a lot of different things throughout the years. And to have South Boston as a home track and know how nice it is and how the Mattioli family has invested so much into it over the over so many years now. Um, we've got one of the premier short tracks in the country, and it's one of the hardest tracks to get around. If you can go to South Boston and get your car to turn there, it makes life a lot easier when you go to other tracks. So uh, not only do you have a, a difficult track to get you know, your car worked out on, they have good car count every week. It's a lot, lot, of, lot of history there, for sure. Hannah mentioned uh, the, the final leg of the Triple Crown a moment ago, Martinsville Speedway here in a couple of weeks' time. How big is that event? Uh, obviously, you know, we talk about it here on MRN. The race will be broadcast live on the Motor Racing Network. It, the event usually draws 75 to 90 to 100 cars every year. Um, how special is it to, to get that checkered flag and ultimately the grandfather clock that comes along with it? It's a bucket list for everybody, no doubt about it. Um, it's a home track for Clarence's Steakhouse, who has sponsored me for a lot of years now. And, um, you know, they don't put any more pressure on me than I put on myself to go up there and run good at Martinsville. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. This year they've changed the format a little bit. They don't have a practice day. They're going to eliminate the last chance races. So it's going to make it a little bit harder to get in the show. But uh, they'll probably have 75 cars show up to, to make a 40-car field and $32,000 on the line. So uh, along with the grandfather clock, they could keep the money as long as you get the clock. You know, that's the way it goes at Martinsville. Everybody wants to bring home that grandfather clock. But um, we've been very fortunate. We've qualified on the pole there. We've led the most laps. We led halfway. Uh, I've been leading on a green-white checkered, but I've never brought home the checkered flag. So um, put a lot of pressure on myself to try to go up there and do well. And I think our cars are running extremely well right now. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity again this year. Uh, last year was a tough year for everybody with COVID, but we, um, man, we're just anxious, ready to get up there and, uh, you know, see what we can do. Yeah, anxious to get back myself as well. Of course, MRN always having coverage of that race on Track Pass as well. And looking forward to being in the pits for that. Again, Peyton, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day here to talk to us. Best of luck, not only with the rest of the season in the national championship, but also, of course, Martinsville coming up in just over a month. Uh, and and safe, safe travels wherever you're driving today. <laughs> Okay, thank you guys. I appreciate you having us on, and hopefully we can talk in a few weeks and have a, have a championship to talk about. Again, guys, Peyton Sellers currently leading the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series points over Jacob Gady. That ends in, of course, a little over a month. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, we've got your Wheelin Engineering Modified Driver Spotlight. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Wheelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Wheelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. 19- Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. 
Want to experience racing in its purest form? Do you yearn to return to where NASCAR came from? Watch high-banked, full-throttle, super late-model racing on Flow Racing, September 8th through the 11th. It's the crown jewel of dirt late models at Eldora Speedway with the World 100. This is grassroots racing at its finest. See who will win the globe by subscribing today. Go to flowracing.com slash world. That's flowracing.com slash world. Time now for this week's Wheel and Engineering Modified Driver Spotlight and able to catch up with a second generation driver that competes up in the Northeast and in the modified realm. Megan Fuller, the daughter of former NASCAR Wheel and Modified champion, Rick Fuller, joins us now on the guest line. Megan, first off, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Before we start from uh, the beginning of your career, let's uh, get a health update. I know you were injured a couple of weeks ago in a Modified, took a wild ride off of turn number four in the SK Light feature at the Stafford Motor Speedway. I don't think you missed a week, but uh, I know you were pretty pretty banged up. Uh, how are you feeling? Um. I'm doing pretty good. I didn't miss a week because I'm not going to stop. But um, so far, I mean, it just hurts a little bit more when I sit for a while, which sucks because right now my job, I sit for nine hours a day. So <laughs> so we're not going to make you sit too long here during this oh, interview. No. We're fine. <laughs> All right, let's talk about your career, how you got started in motorsports. Obviously, you said a little bit ago that uh, your dad, a former NASCAR Wheel and Modified champion back in the, the early 90s, well before your time, um, you came around a few years later. So how, was, how were you introduced to the sport? I mean, since I was born or even in my mom's stomach, I was around it because um, my dad's always done it. And then my dad got my brother into quarter midgets down at uh, Little T Speedway in Thompson, Connecticut. And my dad at the time was still racing. Uh, from what I remember, I think it was a uh, super late model at the big track. So you go back and forth. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four from fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak with my brother and one day I just told my dad that he wasn't allowed to sell my brother's car and it was mine and you jumped in and how long did it take for you to think okay I want to keep doing this or was it from pretty much day number one I think it was from day one I never wanted to stop I remember the first time I rolled one of the quarter midgets I thought it was the coolest thing ever rolling <laughs> The car was the cool. Do you remember your first win? I mean, how successful were you behind the, the wheel of quarter midgets? Well, I think we did pretty good in the quarter midgets. We were in them for about eight years. And 
uh, we did get some, we won a, what they're called cup races in the quarter midgets, which is like the big race of the year for your division. So I think we did pretty good. How much traveling did you do? I mean, some of these quarter midget families go all over the country, Indianapolis, up and down the East Coast. Uh, were you one of those families in the motorhome pulling the carts around the country or were you pretty much Northeast based? Um, not exactly around the country. We did get the opportunity to go to Mini Indy, which at the time it was an asphalt track. It was the coolest track we've ever been to. And we would love if we were still in it when we were still in it, if they continued to do it at that same track. But for the most part, we would just do the three tracks a year going to Oswego and Syracuse and our daily or weekly at a little T speedway. Did you ever compete in the grands? Because I have a program right over here from when the grands were held at Thompson. I think you were probably, let's see, you were born in 2002. So you were probably like one or two, I think last time that the grands were held at Thompson and there were like 900 carts there. And it's amazing to look through that program now and see how many drivers are competing in modifieds and, and in Xfinity series and in the truck series and in ARCA. Um, were you ever able to, to take part in that? I think it's like a five day or seven day long event. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe the race in mini Indy might've been a grand's race because I think, although I didn't do that good, I did get like a big trophy from it, even though it was like a participation trophy. Hey, a trophy is a trophy, and uh, <laughs> it was an incredible event. I remember uh, going to Thompson every night watching, and uh, to see, to look back in that program and, and to see some of the names, and it's pretty cool. All right, let's talk about your transition uh, from the quarter midget track to the big track. Uh, was it right in the street stocks? Uh, yeah, so we did the quarter midgets for eight years, and then when we decided it was time to end those because my got a little bit too tall, started hitting my head on the top of the cars. So we moved into the limited sportsman's up at Thompson Speedway. And then we did a couple races at Stafford that year, just to try it out and see how we like the track. And I have to say, it's an amazing environment there. We love it. The, the crew's great and everything about it is great. So then the following year, we did limited sportsman and street stocks at Stafford, uh, Stafford and Thompson. And I think we did that for a year or two. And then we transitioned to full-time street stocks at Stafford. I feel like Thompson would be a very intimidating place to make your big track debut. Granted, you grew up there. Uh, you raced at the Little T, which is for those that have never been to Thompson, just behind turn number three of the big track. But it's a fast five-eighths mile high banked racetrack. And uh, your, that division, the limited sportsman division at Thompson, has some guys that have been racing in it forever. I mean, you got the Sundeans, you got the Barnetts. Um, what was it like for you as, you know, a very young, how old were you, 14 or 15 years old, jumping into a street stock at, at one of the bigger short tracks in the region? Um, I thought it was pretty cool, but unfortunately, our first day of practice, I got a little bit too jumpy on the gas. and hit the wall coming out of turn four. So that was one of my first experiences at Thompson. But for the most part, I really liked it there. And it was uh, a lot of fun racing against all of those guys because they always had good pointers. And it was fun to be able to earn most of their respect and compete against them weekly. 
biggest difference for those that don't know between Thompson and Stafford, a high bank five eighths mile oval to Stafford, a relatively flat half mile oval with much shorter straightaways. What do you, what, what's the biggest difference from, from your seat that, that you were able to take away from industry um, stock? De- definitely. I feel as though the banking at Thompson, like you were saying is higher, but I also feel like the speeds are faster at Thompson than they are at Stafford. But uh, at Thompson, me being the only female, I think at the entire track, it was a lot more, I don't know, Robin's racing, I guess. But it seemed like a lot more accidents at Thompson than I had at Stafford in the street stocks. And how much of a factor is that? Because you mentioned at Stafford, there's, I feel like some nights, a dozen girls that compete there over the course of, of the, the street stocks, the limited late models, the SK light modifieds. Um, does it help for you to have somebody like a Nicole Shambrello out on the racetrack with you? Oh um, yeah. For the most part, I, I think it's great racing with other girls. Um, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of lonely without them and I think more should do it. Absolutely. And, and staff is a great place. If, if you enjoy watching the ladies, Beat the boys. Uh, it happens to Stafford uh, more times than not, seemingly. Um, don't worry, the boys don't like it. And that's what I, <laughs> I hear. That I hear that as well. Well, you're in an SK Light modified now. We'll talk about that transition in a moment. But was the hope always, even back in the quarter midget days, to race a modified? Um, I feel like back in the quarter midget days, we didn't really think that far into the future. Um, we, I definitely wanted to move up like through the divisions. And I told my dad that, but we weren't really thinking about it. And then we, towards the end of my quarter midgets, we started thinking about, um, the limited sportsman's up at Thompson. And we had been thinking about the SK lights for a few years and, uh, while we were racing the street stocks, but we just really wanted to get a hang of everything that we were in and were doing. And then obviously the financial aspect. So we needed to find the money to be able to do it. So you felt like in, in what, two or two and a half years at Stafford, you got the hang of it and you, you were ready to make that move up to the SKs, what, a year ago this October? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know my dad thought I was ready. It's just the whole financial factor of it. It's a lot more expensive. You bump a wheel in the modified and you probably have a couple grand of damage. You hit a fender in a street stock and eh, you might be able to bang it out and not even have to put any money towards it. Let's talk about that transition into the modifieds after several years in in the street stocks running for championships at at Stafford. You make the move a year ago, like mentioned this October. Um, What's that transition like? Um, What differences do you feel behind the wheel? Because obviously the two race cars, it's like night and day. Yeah, obviously the modified is a lot easier to handle. And if you want to put it in per- into perspective, it's like uh, in the street stocks, we're running 24 second laps and in the modifieds, we're running 19 second laps. So uh, last year when we hopped into one, um, I think I got the hang of it pretty well. And then this year when we started, the first three weeks were pretty good and we were fastest car on the track. And I feel like I transitioned pretty well because I had raced quarter midgets and they're nowhere close to the same speeds, but it's the same concept of open wheel. And how 
difficult mm -hmm. is it because it's a deeper field mm -hmm. in the SK Light Modifieds. The street stocks, good field. You had, what, six, six or seven cars that could win every night. Um, but for the most part, it was those six or seven. In the SK Lights, I feel like there's you could probably double that on any given night, especially at Stafford. Make yeah, it more, sure. more yeah. mentally draining behind the wheel, knowing that you're, pro you're always in traffic, or at least you're in traffic, I felt like, a lot more than, than in the street stock. Yeah, for sure, because I, th I feel like weekly we, we've been having at least 27 cars in the field, which is a pretty decent amount of cars for that division. And I've, I think the main thing I've learned is to line up my bumper, because if there's a wreck in front of you, you're going to want to hit the person in front of you into it. As harsh as that sounds, you don't want to be in it. So Hit them square, send them, as they, they say. Uh in the mid in the movies um your dad mentioned rick fuller uh 1993 nascar wheel and modified tour champion 20 tour wins to his credit how much has he you know been able to help you progress in your career without you know actually climbing in the seat there with you how important is he on the radio to to talk to you or through these weekends obviously you don't have radios in, in your divisions but just to kind of get you through these weekends yeah unfortunately we can't have spotters so he can't really talk to me during the race but We've been lucky enough to run the track a few times this year. So he always has good pointers and Keith Rocco has been helping us out. He always, he also has good pointers for me weekly, but um, my dad's been showing me different ways to enter and go through the corner and how to drive the modifieds, like to make them handle better. Even if it's not handling the way you wish during a race, he tells me all the different ways that I can, change what I'm doing during the race to compensate for how it's not handling. A lot of experience, no doubt about that. What's the big goal down the road? I mean, I know we talked a little bit ago, you're kind of taking it a, a, a division at a time, a year at a time. Uh, now that you're 19, uh, where do you hope to go with this whole racing thing? Or are we just going to stick to the one race at a time, one year at a time plan? I mean, you probably don't like my answer. I'm just going to see how it goes. But right now I'm going into my sophomore year of college. I start back up in two weeks. So I still have a few more years of that left. So we'll probably stick around Stafford. But eventually I want to make, make my way up and and through the divisions. In the you modified know, divisions? Modified divisions and maybe work up into down south or cup eventually. But I'm going to need the money for that again. So I, it's, a, it's a little pricey <laughs> yeah. to, to move down south and, and get in those divisions. But you never know. Uh, the right sponsor comes along and, and picks you up, and uh, you never know what can happen. What do you, what, you mentioned school. How difficult is it to balance school and your racing career? I'm sorry, you cut out at the end of that. Cards. Went mute for a second there. When the season starts um, in May, April, May, June, uh, and now in August and September, how tough is it to balance that school racing life? Um, I mean, my school luckily knows that I race weekly every Friday at Stafford. So last my freshman year, they worked all my classes around that. So on Fridays, I only ever had a class at 8 a.m and no later than that, and um, this year, I don't even have any classes on Fridays, so they're very understanding, and 
a lot of the teachers are very interested in it and always check in on me to see how I did every week. So. And when you're away from the racetrack, not at school, not working on the car or, or thinking about the race car, you know, what do you enjoy to do as far as hobbies are concerned uh, away from the race life? Well, I mean, I always think about the race car because racing is life, but it's in your blood. <laughs> um, uh, on a weekly basis, I work and come home. I go to the gym on the weekends. I hang out with my friends. We have fires. We go out on our boats, tubing, fishing, all that fun outdoorsy stuff. Definitely uh, an outdoorsy stuff. I wish I had boats to go play on as, as well. What's work look like for you? Um, say right you sit now, like 12 hours a day or whatever it is. Nine. Yeah. Right now I'm working at Interstate Transmission. He actually sponsors me and I'm giving him a little helping hand as secretary in the office, but I'm known as Meg. I don't really have a title in the office. Um, so I answer the phones. I take down notes. I make appointments. I do invoices. And I'm just an office girl during the day. But it's always good to have a sponsor involved in in your racing career, no doubt. Uh, Meg, thanks for joining us here on NASCAR Coast to Coast and uh, getting a little, giving us a little bit of insight into your life and your career. And best of luck to you the rest of your rookie season in the SK Light Modifieds at Stafford. Thank you. Meg Fuller, SK Light driver at the Stafford Motor Speedway. Look for her to move up down the road as she uh, works toward her career just 19 years old from Auburn, Massachusetts. Gamers, start your engines. Meet the next generation of racing wheels. The award-winning Logitech G design is re-engineered to dial into your game physics, delivering unprecedented realism. Feel every shift, drift, and hairpin turn like never before. Our latest innovation in force feedback technology connects directly to end-game simulation engines and physics to produce higher fidelity, real-time responses. Through design, engineering, and the love of driving games, Logitech G takes racing simulation to another level. Go to LogitechG.com. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, 
Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Over the last weekend, a lot of NASCAR's regional and really local touring divisions had the weekend off. That didn't stop the NASCAR Pinty Series for firing things up up north for their second race of the season, Kyle. Yeah, they raced at uh, Three Rivers in Quebec, and it was Alex Tagliani taking down the race win. No surprise, whenever they go road racing, he's always one of the contenders. J.F. Dumoulin, uh, Kevin Lacroix, Trayton Lapsovich, and L.P. Dumoulin rounded out the top five. Rafael Lassard, the current point leader and the driver that swept sunset to open the season, finished 14th. So that tightens the standings up a little bit in what was a very strong 23-car field. Lassard leads by 16 points over LP Dumoulin, trade in Lapsovich 18 points back, and Alex Tagliani 19 points back. They are next in action at Circuit ICAR on August 28th. And uh, yeah, they're Pretty much the only ones in action last weekend, as far as the NASCAR banner is concerned, all the Arkham and Art series were off. Two-thirds of them are back this week, beginning on Friday at Michigan International Speedway, right here on MRN, the Henry Ford Healthcare Systems 200, and a very tight championship there as well. Ty Gibbs by just two points over Corey Haim. I feel like it's a, kind of a seesaw battle the last three or four races. Uh, you know, they, they, they're within a couple of points, but it's usually a different name on top each week, and this week it's Ty Gibbs on top. Yeah, those two imagine it, of course, on social media, on the racetrack, point standings, simply cannot get away from each other. Out on the West Coast, though, they did have some racing over the past weekend at Colorado National. Cody Vanderall won over Darren Robertson and Cody Dempster. Uh, in the Midwest, the Dells Raceway Park had the Badger State 125. It was Johnny Sauter who found his way in victory lane, back behind the wheel of a late model over California's Jesse Love. And then, of course, Luke Fenhaus, who we've also recently talked to, SRX winner and Slinger Nationals winner. Granite State Pro Stock Series ran at Beach Ridge over the weekend with Corey. Love when I can't read my handwriting. Corey. Boobler winning over Rusty Poland and then Gabe Brown. And speaking of Beach Ridge, Kyle, the Modifieds headed there this weekend. For the first time in 16 years, I believe, since 2004, since 2005. The last time the uh, the Modifieds raced at Beach Ridge, hard to believe that's that long ago. Justin Bonsignor, 12-point lead over Patrick Emerling. John McKennedy, 56 points back in third. Five races to go. Uh, that can be seen live on NBC Track Pass at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. What will be a busy Saturday night because the Arkham Menards West is in action much later on Saturday night. For those of us here on the East Coast, they're going to run at the Irwindale Speedway, the Napa Auto Parts 150, 10 p.m. Eastern. Jesse Love is the championship point leader there by two over Cole Moore. Four points back to Todd Souza in third. This is going to be race five of nine on their calendar. And there is one big championship night this coming weekend at Bowman Gray Stadium. Unfortunately, Mother Nature got the best of them last Saturday night. Hopefully she is kind this week because it's going to be quite the battle between Tim Brown, the point leader over Burt Myers by four points. That's how tight it is going into this Saturday night's uh, championship night. 150 laps of the modifieds to wrap up the Bowman Gray season. 
Yeah, Mother Nature better get her act together because it's not looking great around the Carolinas as of right now. Of course, we do record this on Tuesday. Well, lots of racing action available to race fans and course drivers all across the country. A lot of that available on NBC's track pass. Of course, some of that action you can hear on the Motor Racing Network. As always, of course, we want to thank Peyton Sellers for coming here on NASCAR Coast to Coast to talk about the national point standing as well as the Virginia Triple Crown. Best of luck to all the drivers and fans traveling this weekend. We'll have a lot to recap next week. I'm Hannah Newhouse. Kyle Ricky producers Craig Moore. We will see you next week here on NASCAR Coast to Coast.